So just a, uh, a flashback, a, a, a re- just to reflect back on the first two principles that Leslie and Travis have already taught on. Um, principle one, principle one is our reality step. So in principle one, we realize that we're not God, that we're powerless to control ourselves to do the wrong thing. Matthew 5, 3 says, happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. So that's the reality step. That's where we really come to reality like, hey, we can't do, we can't do life on our own. We, can't, we cannot make it through on our own power. We come to reality in principle one. Principle two, which was last week, is, is our hope step. Uh, we earnestly believe that God exists, that we matter to him, and that he has the power to help us recover. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, 4. And, man, that's, that's, that's the whole reason why I, was, I would go to church, honestly. When I was losing all hope, I would go to church because I knew that God was the answer. I knew that God was the answer. I just could not take that step. So that's our hope step. But today, we're going to talk about the action step, which is principle three. This is where we take action. We consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. And like I said, let's all read that aloud. Can we all read that aloud? Is that up there? So we consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and, over, and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the question I have, uh, the question, the big question is, are you ready? Are you ready to accept joy and peace in your life? Not just any joy and peace. The joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. Something that you just cannot even understand. Joy and peace are so unbelievable. Maybe this morning you're feeling a little hopeless. Maybe you're feeling stuck. Something's got you stuck. Or you're feeling tired. You're just completely stressed out, tired, overridden, overburdened. Well, the good news is tonight, today you're in the right place. You're going to hear the right message today. Truth be told... We don't come to church. We don't start coming to church because our lives are just so fabulous that we want to just submit to, to God. Most of the time, almost 100% of the time, we come to church or we come to celebrate recovery because there's something in our life that we want to overcome, something that we know is holding us back from being the person that we want to be. And so that's why we come, and that's what, maybe that's why you're here this morning. So this morning, let's just jump right into... Uh, Today's lesson, and I'm going to talk about five things uh, that, can't, that we need to watch out for that can keep us from taking this step. And number one is pride. Our pride can keep us from taking this step. I know for me, that's huge in my life, my pride. Uh, after, I was watching Pastor Rick Warren um, teaching on this lesson in, in, in preparation for standing up here today, uh, and, and what he talked about was a, uh, a TV show, Home Improvement. I don't know if anybody here has watched Home Improvement. Whenever I was a kid, that was like one of my favorite shows. And he talks about Tim Allen uh, and in that show. And man, he, he was number one for, I can just do it on my own. I can just do it on my own. And then most of the episodes, it was him trying to retrace his, his steps and, and fix the mess that he created. 
And, and the, the one episode that he was talking about, they were going on a family vacation, and he would not pull over to stop for directions. And they ended up wasting their whole entire vacation trying to figure out where they were or try, just trying to figure out how to get there. Um, and so for me, I know for me, one, <laughs> just a small area on a, on a fu- side funny note, uh, kids' toys. Whenever I get, you know, kids' toys, it's like, I don't need that directions. I don't need the directions. I can figure that out. And most of the time, I got to take the whole thing back apart and then figure it out, then actually get out the directions and put it all back together again. So on a serious note, we lose time there, right? But what if that, if you replace those things with depression or anxiety or drug and alcohol addiction and we just try to do it on our own? over and over and over again. I can tell you because I was there. I did it. I lived it over and over and over again. I needed a savior. I needed directions to this life. I needed the Bible. I needed Jesus. And so that's the, that's one is pride to watch out for. Um, Proverbs 10.8 says, the self-sufficient fool falls flat on his face. So take, take this time. You can take this step now. You can take this step today. Don't wait for the larger dose of pain. So a good saying is, until the pain to remain the same is larger than the pain to change, there will be no change. You won't change until the change looks better than what you're living now. And you can take that step today. The second thing to watch out for is guilt. Guilt can stop us. I'm ashamed to ask God for help. Problems far too big for me to solve are piled higher than my head. Meanwhile, my sins, too many to count, have all caught up to me, and I am ashamed to look up. Psalms 40, 12. Have you ever said to God, God, just take this one thing. Just help me get through this one thing and then I'll fill in the blank. That was me over and over again. God, just get me through this night. Help me, help me make it to work tomorrow and then I'll change. So Pastor Rick Warren tells this story which is really awesome. He tells uh, this guy's on a hike and he's on a mountain and he falls off the side of the mountain, off this cliff. And there's one tree sticking off the side and he grabs the tree on the way down and he's just hanging there by one hand on the side of a cliff 200 feet up 200 feet down and he says he looks up and he says God please help me please help me get out of this situation and then I'll whatever it was he was dealing with and God and there's this thunder and God says son let go I will catch you and he looks back up and he says Is there anybody else up there? (laughs) Is there anybody else? He didn't like the answer. Matter of fact, he's still hanging there, and he says, you know what? This looks like a pretty good spot. I think I could start my own business hanging here. Little house would look nice over there. I thought that was perfect for for that. And that leads right into the third thing would be fear. Um, I'm afraid of what I have to give up. Oh, my gosh, was this me. My biggest thing was, what, what's my neighbor going to think? 
what's my neighbor going to think? If I, if I admit that I'm not strong enough to be able to get through this situation, or I admit that I'm powerless over my life, or over my addiction, what, what's the community going to think? What are my parents going to think? What are my friends going to think? That's one hurdle I had to get over, was the fear of people. And, and this is a testament to you guys right here, right now, that I'm standing up here with this microphone in my hand, and I'm giving this message. This is a testament to the fear of, of what people think that I've overcome in my life through Christ. And this, is, this, this, this fear, this joy, this peace is, is for all of us, is for any, anybody that can hear my voice. So the question is, what are you afraid of? We definitely have to narrow it down to, what is it that's stopping us? What is it that's stopping you today from turning your life, from committing your life to Christ? What is it? And so we have to be also very careful with about all the specifics. So one day at a time, one day at a time, living one day at a time has been huge in my life. Um, Matthew 6, 34 don't worry about tomorrow. Today's struggles are enough for today. Leave tomorrow to God. Live but one day at a time. That is so huge, so huge. Whenever I, got my, whenever I wrapped my mind around that, my life began to change. And the fourth one um, that we need to watch out for is worry. Worry can stop us. I confuse the decision phase with the problem-solving phase. So what that means is, we're not gonna be able to figure it all out. If we're waiting to have everything figured out before we make this decision, you're never gonna make the decision. It's just not gonna happen. Pastor Rick Warren uses um, President Kennedy in his speech. We will go to the moon. He didn't know how we were gonna go to the moon. He just knew we were gonna go to the moon. He set that goal. He made the decision we're gonna go to the moon. And NASA was the one that had to figure out the problem, right? They had to solve the problems. And that's the same thing for us. That's the same thing with any decision that we make. If we try to figure out all the problems before we make the decision, we won't make the decision. Any smart business person would know this also. There, there's going to be problems that come up. And that's where our faith is really being able to be built and be cemented and grow as, as the problems work themselves out through, through Christ. Um, so really, at this step, we're at first base for the sports uh, players, the baseball players. This is only just getting us to first base. We've got the hit, we've made the walk, however, and we're on first base now once we make the decision. And so God's setting us up for a whole nother journey. We still have a lot ahead of us. Like I said, this is only principle three of the eight principles, but we need to make this decision. We need to get to first base. And number five is very, very important, which is doubt. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. So it's very important also, you, we could have big faith, but in the wrong thing, if that makes sense. But if we have small faith, just a little bit of faith in the right thing, in God, big, big things can happen. Big results can happen. So over the last few weeks, over the last like three weeks, um, I've really been staying right in the first two chapters of Luke. 
uh, me and one of my friends, it's just, it's, it's crazy how the Holy Spirit is talking to me and my friend through the first couple chapters. And, uh, and, and it's talking about Elizabeth uh, giving birth to John the Baptist and Mary giving birth to Jesus. And the uh, angel Gabriel uh, coming to talk to first Zachariah, saying that he's going to be, or that he's going to have a child, and his child's name's going to be John, which is just John the Baptist. And then uh, Gabriel appears to Mary and, and tells Mary that she's going to have Jesus, the, the Savior of the world. So Mary wants to, is, is, she says, wow, how, why did God choose me? And Mary, or and, and Elizabeth says something very, very important. Because you believed that it would happen. So she put all doubt aside. And, and, and she knew that God was going to send the Savior to save the world. She knew it was going to happen. She knew it so much that God used her to make the change, to, to have the Savior of the world. So the question is, how do we get to the point to where we don't doubt? That we know it's going to happen. That, that we know that God can fix our situation that we're living in. When we get to that place, then the change really starts to happen. God starts to move in our lives. And that's my calling for everybody here today, is to put all the doubt aside. God can change your situation if we let him, if we submit ourselves to him. And so uh, this morning is going to be a very special morning. Uh, we're going to hear a, a story. Uh, I'm going to ask Kristen to come up and share some of her testimony. Hi, my name is Kristen, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I'm in recovery for codependency angers, and I have codependency anger, and I have victories over my need to control. Hi, I can relate to um, all five of those things that Ron just said because I've felt all five of them while sitting in my chair waiting to come up here. Um, I'm not a big fan of public speaking, and so this is me, um, you know, consciously committing my life to Christ that He has called me to do this, and I will answer the call. So I'm going to just tell you a little bit about my life before recovery. Before admitting I needed recovery, my life was a mess. My husband was using drugs and alcohol, and I was using anger and control. I'm not here to give his testimony, but we were the perfect addict. He could use and provide a comfortable life for us, and I could enable and control him. I honestly felt like I could control him and everything around me, and by having this con control, I could keep everything from falling apart. I had become someone I hated. I had isolated myself. I didn't, I didn't have to hide what was really go going on if no one was close. I would be lying to myself if I said that everything was bad because we had some amazing times. When it was good, it was great, and when it was bad, it was horrible. I could also hide my bad behaviors. I could blame my outbursts of anger and violence on Ron and that his action caused the hurtful words I would sling at him. I needed to step out of denial. I was not helping. I was creating a monster, and the monster was inside of me. It was fueled by anger, resentment, and the need to control. I had to control everyone and everything. My best tools is my words. God had blessed me with the gift of a quick mind that remembers everything, and I was using this gift as a tool to control and break down the people that I loved the most. James 3.6, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself set on fire by hell. And I felt like my words were justified. The situation I was in was spiraling out of control, 
and the words of hate felt good. I wanted to hurt everyone the way their rejection had hurt me. I had never dealt with my feelings of rejection from my dad, so I was just piling them on my husband. I wanted to punish, and if the punishment was severe enough, he would change. He would be the husband I wanted and the father that I thought he should be. It only backfired on me. I had myself in a corner, alone, sad, and scared. When I was pregnant with our daughter is when I believe at the, was my lowest point. I was standing in front of my husband's truck, six months pregnant with our two-year-old on our hip, while he was trying to leave to go use. I was screaming and threatening him. That night, I had not heard from him, and around 2 a.m., I heard a knock on our back door. When I realized it was a police officer, my body went numb. The walk took forever, and everything was in slow motion. All the hateful words I'd spewed at him played in my head. I thought, this is it. They are here to tell me my husband, the father of my child, children were dead. When I finally opened the back door, bless that poor police officer's heart, he was just letting me know that I'd forgotten to close our garage door. That man had to think I was the craziest pregnant woman he'd ever saw. Through the sobs, I just asked him to shut it. I went out on the porch and I prayed to God. I begged him to take my husband. I could not help him and I was making it worse. When I gave up my control of his addiction, I freed myself from the bondage, chaos, and complications. I needed to release him to the natural consequences of his behavior. You want to know something funny? When I got out of God's way, he moved, and he moved fast. Nothing can stop God's plan for your life, Isaiah 14, 27. Ron decided on his own that he needed treatment. And Jesus replied, what, I, what is impossible with man is possible with God, Luke 18, 27. Life was good, and I had hope after he got home. We dove into our new life with Christ, and I was baptized. I served in our church. I tried to be the most supportive wife I could be. Ron would ask me to attend meetings, but I didn't need to. I wasn't the one with the problem. During this time, I was serving in many areas of the church we were attending, and I was saying yes to everything, but I was doing it all for the wrong reasons. I wanted, I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be recognized, and God stripped me of all of it. I was so confused and hurt. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. I had to be still and wait for God's grace. <laughs> My husband, he's a smart, smart man, and he was blessed with the opportunity of leading the Celebrate Recovery that was starting at the church we were attending, and he asked me to come to help. He said he needed my help to lead. He knew just what a codependent wanted to hear. I felt like it was no surprise that while I was there to help, I was the one that had the problem and needed help. I was sick, and it was not about anybody else but my own hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I have times I can rejoice in my recovery, and I see the progress, and, but there are also times that I can slip back and go back to my old, be old behaviors. I have learned that when I slip, I have an amazing forever family that will restore me gently. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should return, restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted, Galatians 6.1. Recovery is a choice that I make every day, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, and that is my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, Romans 7.18. And I know that through God I will have the strength to fight this good fight. And I just wanted to end this by saying, your story matters, and it will help someone. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony of God in them. 1 John 5.10. Thank you. God bless.
Okay. Where, where were we? Um, so how do I take this step? Step three, principle three. Uh, the first is I accept God's son as my savior. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Acts 16.31. This is really simple. Try not to, we don't want to make this more complicated than what it really is. Committing as much as myself as I understand in this moment right now is all you need to know. It's something that goes on in your heart. It's not something that you need to have everything figured out. It's just something right in, in your heart. And that's good enough. And if you do do that today, please tell somebody. Number two is I accept God's words as my standards. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the faith and correcting error, for resetting the direction of a man's life and training him in good living. 2 Timothy 3.16. Um, it's accepting God's word as not just a suggestion or um, a get-out-of-jail-free card, but it's your manual to life. It lays down the foundation of how you should be living your life. And when you um, are searching for something, that's where you'll find your answers. In the third way, um, I accept God's will as my strategy. And so this becomes my goal in life if, is God's will. So we apply the first one, I accept God's son. I accept, and the second one, I accept God's word. really live out God's will in our lives. And that becomes our will, our, our, our goal. I desire to do your will, O God, says Psalm 48. Number four is I accept God's power as my strength. I can do everything God asks me to do with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and power. Philippians 4.13. I, I had to do that today said coming up and so I had to rely on God's strength to you know give me the words and be able to be understandable because I'm not a person that when I cry that I'm easily understood I start sobbing and so I had to rely on that power today that he would get me through it um, it's just like standing at the door I mean the, the scripture from Revelation 3:20 explains it the best Jesus I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and Come in and fellowship with him. And I feel like that is how I find my strength. Is I ask, I knock on that door and I ask God to come in and, you know, the Holy Spirit to fill me. And that's the fellowship that I have. And I'm able to get through the stuff that is hard and difficult because I'm no longer relying on my own strength. I'm relying on the strength that is a gift from the Holy Spirit. So I want to... Uh just remind everybody um, about Celebrate Recovery on Thursday nights. This is a very powerful, powerful ministry. And there are a lot of very supportive, encouraging, awesome people that are coming, ready to welcome you at the door when you come. Um, please grab a, a flyer on your way out. Please uh, let somebody know if you accepted Christ into your life today, into your heart. We want to pray with you. You can come up to me. You can come to Kristen. There'll be some other leaders out there at the resource table. Um, we want to know. And it's very important that you let somebody know. Um, 
Can you all bow your heads like to say a prayer? Father God, thank you so much for your amazing grace in our lives. Thank you for showing up when we needed you most. God, I pray for somebody here today that's in this room that has accepted you into their life. I pray that you would just move and move swiftly, show up in their life so that they know that it's you, God. We need to see you. And so I pray the Holy Spirit to come upon them, to come upon this church, to come upon Celebrate Recovery and the leaders. I pray that you would just continue to move. It's your will, not ours. We love you, God. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.